Welcome to Broad Ideas. Today, I am so excited to speak to this human, Lauren Mayberry. She honestly, I think she's like the cutest thing on the planet. I'm such a fan of hers. She is the vocalist and percussionist of the Scottish pop band Churches. And actually, Rob, you introduced me to this band and I'm forever grateful. So thank you for that. Well, you're welcome. I'm so excited that she is here to speak with us today. Her latest album was Screen Violence with Churches. Um, She's on tour this summer. Her U.S. dates are starting at the end of July in New Orleans, one of my favorite cities. Go get tickets. They'll be playing at the Hollywood Bowl, which I really hope that we get to go this summer. People. We'll go. We'll go. Everyone welcome the lovely, talented, sweetest Lauren Mayberry. Sometimes when that you agreed to come and talk to us. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> it's nice to be outside and talk to humans. Yeah, so, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> Not that uh, my partner and cats don't count, but after this <laughs> length of time, I'm like, we've said everything. <laughs> there's nothing There's nothing left to say. Yeah. We just wait for a new TV to come on and we're like, we could talk about that. Yeah. <laughs> That's the thing. Yeah, you're so right. I mean, how long have you been in your relationship? Uh, like three and a half years. So we had a good run of time before in the before yeah right and, uh but yeah i would I guess more than half of BC. it has been in this time so yeah we still like each other so that's helpful yeah at this point it's a good sign yeah right yes. i think it's really been a good trial for relationships and mm. everything during the pandemic and covid i was in a relationship that did not make it oh. <laughs> because <laughs> of covid <laughs> good to know that you're like yeah, good to know I, that now it was honestly a blessing then, i was like thank you pandemic for <laughs> you really getting seeing, me out of this <laughs> yes you see the true sense of a person in these yeah. times i think unfortunately i think for my partner that just means a lot of me crying in different parts of the house <laughs> and he has to deal with it. but that's okay he's a very like upbeat looks on the bright side kind of person and i'm like oh interesting how right? are you doing that and uh, yeah i think he maybe he was falsely advertised. He was like, oh, she seems nice. And I'm like, <laughs> little does it do you know? But You're um, like, that's my voice. It just sounds yes. that way. And I'm like, yeah. you didn't read the lyrics before you got into this. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, there's a mistake. They don't come from nowhere. There has to be. But yeah, I don't know. The pandemic brain is extra strange, I think. Yes. Yeah. There was a point I was sitting with the, we got some adopted pandemic cats. Oh. I was sitting with one of the cats on the couch and then it was just like, she will also die. <laughs> I, was like, I, was, I was like teary-eyed about it. And he came into the room and was like, what's happening? I left you like here five minutes ago. And you were telling me what you're going to do with your day. And now you're crying into the cat. And I was like, I don't know. It just happened. It just so, and he's a very balanced person who doesn't struggle with these things. Oh, so, Those yes. kind of people fascinate me. I'm trying to learn. I don't I, understand. I don't know. I'm always like, you don't feel death coming like what is it <laughs> yeah. what is that and I've asked him and he was yeah. like well there's no point in worrying about it because you can't change any of it so you might as well just 
do something else with your day. And I'll say, mm, <sighs> mm-hmm. wow. I wonder, I did see that. He has mindfulness, but he doesn't yeah. have to do any of the, the work <laughs> the work on it that everyone else is doing. I'm like rubbing headspace through my phone <laughs> on my head every day. Yeah. And he just wakes up and has it. So I don't know. That's pretty remarkable. I mean, did he have a really easy childhood or something no no i don't know i don't think <laughs> we want so. to talk to him yeah i should i should call him and get him to come around and be like yeah. teach us this is a different yeah. podcast we're like teach us how to just not be sweating all right that we're stuff. just we're yeah. recruiting you and this is totally taking a turn yeah i think i was a person that was more like that you were pre-pandemic you like can confirm yeah, yeah she true. can confirm for me so we've been best friends forever so oh, yeah. we know each other very well <laughs> been through a lot but um yeah, pre-pandemic, I'd say that I was definitely more of that kind of person. Like, mm. doesn't don't not think about the dark stuff and, you know. But then the pandemic hit and other things hit <laughs> and I was hit. Mm. <laughs> and so, you know, you just look at things in a different way Yeah. now. You know, and every day I'm like, oh my God, like I have one kid. Like, is she, like nothing can happen to her. Like, is she yeah. going to go to school and like <laughs> fall off the, you know, it well, is it's scary. Like, it's scary times It's like a fear brain. Weird. Yeah, it must kick into extra gear like mother brain must go like ah, oh in yeah, these yeah. times as a whole other level yes like you have mother cat brain but like imagine <laughs> i like, mean <laughs> yeah as much as i love them i know they are not human children i okay. understand yes every so often i'm like you're not really are you thinking thoughts i don't know but, and i think you know i'm not one of these people that say i'll dress up my cat and call it baby or whatever right. so yes but yeah i can imagine i don't know i don't know if human beings are designed to be surrounded by this much death and trauma and yeah like that's why we distract ourselves with everything else because we don't want to think about the human condition and you can't especially the last couple of years you can't there's no there's no distraction anymore which in some ways is good because we're reckoning yeah. with these existential issues but it's a bit much yeah, yeah. it's a bit much yeah absolutely <laughs> i heard the other day this guy was like an expert talking about people and their purpose and why they have such fulfilled lives and one of the things that they did every day is they remembered every single morning that they're going to die. So instead of avoiding it, it was like bringing it in and facing that every day. And like, mm. how would you live if you were facing that every day? Which is almost like, in a weird way, I think what the pandemic has, like a silver lining that it's mm-hmm. had, is that you are facing those things. For sure. I mean, some days I'm like <laughs> just buried under the doom of it. But then I do think in other ways it's made me make different kinds of decisions about things, especially like work things or creative things or people pleasy things. Yeah, especially as women. I'm sure you guys already know this. I feel like there's a lot of like you push as far as you think you can push to get what you want, but without pushing too far. And you're still trying to be agreeable enough that when you come back, you can still negotiate further. And I just like... There's certain things in life where I'm like, I don't want to do that because that will upset that person or that will just make that harder for me in the long run and I don't want to do. But then I look at kind of what you're just saying. I'm like, well, why? You only get to do this once. So it's strange. Obviously, you don't want to be an unkind, terrible person. Right. But I look at certain things I've deliberately not done, which don't really affect other people, but I just don't want them to be annoyed at me or upset or any of those things. I'm like, this is silly. Yeah. (laughs) We're going to die having people people please myself to death. That's (laughs) Yeah, mm. and the people-pleasing thing is real. And I've always been that way mm. uh, until recently. It was kind of all of the things coming at me at once forced me to have to just be like, fuck all you people. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like you have to kind of learn how to put yourself first 
and not do that all the time. But it's hard. Yes. Because we're trained not to. Right. And even, yeah, I don't know. I think that it's weird because the narrative around the band has always been strong feminist this and strong feminist that. I'm like, that is true to a degree, but then I'm like, you guys don't, you don't know. (laughs) Like there's only, you know, I can say certain things, but we're all still negotiating all the time and everything is a negotiation. And I think you can say fuck all these people with kindness. You don't have to be an asshole. Absolutely. But but we're taught that you doing that is a terrible thing to do and you shouldn't do that. So I guess that's the balance I'm hoping to strike more of in life. Be like, you can be assertive in a calm and kind manner and be like, that's just how it's going to be. Yeah, it's integrity. And then deep breathe into a bag (laughs) (laughs) after you've done it. Right. And I feel like the people that love you, like that genuinely want the best for you and love you, like, the more you've stepped out of people pleasing, the happier it makes the people that love you. We're like, yeah, say it. Like, own it. Interesting. Yeah. And it's probably a good way to weed out people who are not right. here for right. sound like I'm on you're not here for the right reasons. Like the, <laughs> the bachelor or something. But yeah. <laughs> I'm a mark for all those like uh self-help memes that pop up right. on the internet. I'm always like, oh, so profound. Um yeah. <laughs> even though I don't follow any of those accounts, they still present me with oh, they the, always, yeah. you know, and I'm like, they know me. The algorithm knows me. You know, I wish it didn't. <laughs> but there was one that I saw recently which was like if other people are more upset by your successes and things you're celebrating than they should be, then that's it. I was like, oh. And then I could look at certain things in life where I'm like, oh yeah, that was a nice thing that happened to me and made you mad. Right. Which is not how this should be. But then you apologize and you're like, oh, it must have made them feel uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. I can explain away any kind of bad behavior. Right. (laughs) If I try hard enough. Yeah. I'm like, no, that's their stuff. And that's not fine. Right. But I say all this, but I'm not doing it. I don't believe it. You're doing something. You wouldn't know all of this if you weren't studying. Exactly. I'm like, wow, fascinating. Fascinating. I may try that one day. Right. Yes. (laughs) But I think as like a successful woman, you know, and I think it kind of comes out in certain relationships. If you're dating, let's say you're dating Mm. a man and, you know, some of them. All of us speaking hypothetically. Hypothetically, (laughs) you know. (laughs) But depending on how they feel in their own manlyhood, whatever you want to say. But, (laughs) but, you know, it's hard for some of them to accept that. I've found. Yeah. And if anything, I feel like some of the most extreme examples I've had of that in personal relationships are when on paper, that man is much more successful than me. And I'm like, why are you being weird about this? I am not threatening to you in any way. It doesn't make sense. But I think it's about feeling invalidated or something. You can have as much external success as you want, but if still the hole has not been filled, then it's still going to feel bad. Mm-hmm. And yeah, there's definitely been times where we've been at things where I'm like, why? We're playing high up at this festival. Why am I in my phone trying to make sure that this person feels okay about their day? I have stuff to do. Right. But I don't ask that's after 45 minutes of locating somebody via text and be like, your ticket's mm-hmm. at the front. I can't come get you right now because I'm literally about to do this. I can't come yeah. get you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When you zoom out of those moments, you're like, what? Yeah. Why? I would never do that. I would never do that yeah, the other way right. around. I'm that's like, I would figure out my way into the venue and I would watch the thing. Right. But. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. The, in, the insecurity. People. Of it. Oh, oh, yeah. The insecurity of it, for sure. Have you ever felt that? Because I, I mean, I think it's natural to feel the feeling, right? Mm. Of being like, oh, someone else's success could at moments make you feel shrunken. And then I think that, like, I know I've experienced that even with Rachel. Like, you know, we've been best friends forever and she rocketed. And it's like there was a part of me that shrunk which is a blessing because it taught me self-love. But 
I feel like it's a natural feeling to feel that, but it's what you do with it the next thought. Yes. Yeah. And I feel, I don't think I've ever felt that with partners, maybe because we live in a society that teaches women that they're second anyway. So maybe it never really (laughs) occurred to me. And I guess I always grew up with like boyfriends that were also in bands and it just never really occurred to me. I was just excited to be around the scene. But I definitely think as I've gotten older, it's been an interesting thing to have to unpick, especially with other women. Like if there are other women in similar jobs or similar positions, I definitely have caught myself being like, oh, I wonder why they got that and then we didn't. And then I'm like, mm. what? That's a terrible way to live your life. And But noticing it and putting the pain in it, mm-hmm. I think yes. is important because otherwise, I don't know, it's a horrible way to live. But I think it's natural to degree, especially in a life and industries where you're taught comparison. Oh, yeah. Because right. it is like, for well, sure, there's only so much space. Yeah. And there can only be so many jobs. Yeah. And so many festival slots and so many mm-hmm. late night slots and blah, blah, blah. And you're like, this doesn't, when you zoom out of it, you're like, this doesn't matter. It doesn't mean anything about me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you're like, oh, I'm just making it all about me. This is not, it's not about me. <laughs> yes. Who knew? <laughs> yeah. It's the same with acting, you know, it's a mm. similar thing of like getting the role and going up against different people. And I was taught a very important lesson when I was young, where I went up for a part and I got very far and I thought I was going to get it. And then they cast someone else. And the girl that they cast literally could have been my twin. You know, mm-hmm. so in my head, I'm like, okay, so it's me. You know, like there's something wrong with me. And it was mm-hmm. really hard. And I had such a hard time with it. Um, I never watched that show. I was so angry. <laughs> <laughs> but then that yeah. casting director brought me back in for the first series I got that gave me all the success early on. And I was like, ah, okay, here's my lesson, you know, and it's part of it. And then you're like, okay, it's not personal. And and there's another path or whatever. And I do believe that. I try to stick to it. It's hard at times because... Well, acting seems much harder than music in so many ways to me, but because (laughs) there's not really a one music job that we're auditioning for and we're getting chosen, you know? Yeah. Like there's a certain number of opportunities in terms of like billings and whatever. I think that must be very difficult to go into a room and you're like, we know how many roles are on this call sheet and we know there's one and it's all of us and we're going (laughs) to hunger games fight out for this. (laughs) And yeah, there must be a lot of work involved in removing oneself from that headspace. Yeah, I wouldn't recommend it for like, (laughs) especially young, you know, any, anyone. (laughs) Yeah, but Rachel also, I've said this forever. The things that I had to literally delve into therapy and school and everything to learn came natural to her. Mm-hmm. Like she really had a way of not taking things as personally and like knowing you had this natural way of being like, then there's something better. And there's, you know, if that's not mine, I'm going to get something better. And you are a natural manifester. And all of that stuff really did come easy to you mentally. Okay. <laughs> born wise, born very wise. Well, I'll take that. I think her mom had a little bit of something yeah, to do with it. Very, but yes. Uh, mental health was a big, well, I don't know if you'd even call it that, but she was very spiritual growing up and stuff. So that probably helped put a spin on it. But how did you, did you always, you know, when you were growing up, did you know this is what you wanted to do? Um, Yes and no. Like I was talking to our manager the other day about just thinking about things to do in like the coming year and what the fuck that's going to be. <laughs> and he was making a joke about how he's like, yeah, it's just a singer in a band that never wanted to sing in a band. And I'm like, yeah, I don't know how <laughs> we got to here. But I played piano and drums as a kid and I always was writing and playing in bands, but I was never the singer in any of the bands. Really? I would do like backing vocals and sing as part of the writing, but not, I don't know. 
in some ways, I suppose subconsciously, I must want to be the center of attention, but I've never <laughs> consciously been that person in any of the dynamics. And it kind of happened by accident almost. The band I was in before churches, I was playing drums in initially, and then a better drummer came along. <laughs> it was, and, uh, yeah, I remember being in a rehearsal and my friend who's the other singer in the band, he had brought his friend who I knew to be a good drummer in other bands. And I was like, why are we getting that guy to play keyboards? This makes no sense. We should just swap. So we swapped and then they suggested I do some singing. So I was like, okay. And then when I met Ian, he was like, oh, she's a singer in a band. So it was already in his head, decided. So, But even with churches... Initially, it was just a writing thing that Ian and Martin were doing together, trying to write songs to sell to other people. And they asked me to come in and sing guide vocals on it for pitching. And then they were like, hmm, we should make it a band. So it was a bit of a happy accident. Yeah, music's always been around, but it wasn't like, I think secretly when I was 15, I was like, I want to be Dave Grohl. But (laughs) I don't think I actually thought that it was going to happen. But I guess it's interesting to look back on because all the times where my other female friends would be like, I want to be with X person in the band. I'll say, I want to be in that band. <laughs> I, I want to be him. I don't yeah. want to do that guy. I want to be in the band. Um, so yeah, I think that it was always hiding somewhere. But I think in a way, having come to singing, not thinking about being a quote unquote singer, helped my voice end up the way that it did for better or worse. I think if I'd overthought it and been like, oh, this is going to be my character for my whole life. I should create a certain kind of voice and I didn't do that really because I was like I'm just singing in the background or singing in a way to get the point across for the other person to sing it so yeah whenever Americans are like why do you sing in this accent I'm like I, it just is the accent that's <laughs> coming out of my face so, yeah <laughs> like this is how it is yes but you originally you studied law right I did yeah I did a law degree and then I did a postgrad thing in journalism so wow I mean, I don't know if it helps me now necessarily. It makes me more cynical oh, in really? interviews, probably when people are asking me something. Oh, so like, journalism. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> I'm like, you didn't research at all. Not you guys. But sometimes yeah. when you're in promo, I'm like, oh, good God. Right. Like, yeah. this is what we're doing. Right. But yeah, so I was like a production assistant PA mm-hmm. when churches got signed. Oh, wow. Yes, that's why I'm like, always be nice to everybody on every set. Because oh my God, because... You don't know. Mm-hmm. You don't know. You don't know. And one of the first Church's videos we did, the DP on that had been a DP on a bunch of uh, whiskey adverts, commercials mm-hmm. that I had done. He was like, I know you from somewhere. I'm like, yeah, you do. <gasps> oh, wow. I was the one bringing people cold coffee, which right. they didn't enjoy because <laughs> no, Peter, I read the sheet oh. wrong and I took it to the wrong place. Oh, <laughs> so, no. Yes. That's a really tough job, though. And I will say, I am... Well, I'm nice to everybody on set, but like especially PAs because they have to do everything. And you see everything. You do see everything. I was like, "Mm." you have some secrets, I'm sure. Mm. (laughs) Very specific secrets related to the Scottish advertising industry. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Everyone wants to know. And I'm glad to have had those experiences because I met a lot of people in and around entertainment where I'm like, oh yeah, you never did bar jobs or PA jobs or restaurant jobs. And I think you can tell, I don't know, you tell a lot about somebody from the way they talk to a waiter. I think you know everything. could not agree with you mm. more. That is one of my biggest things. I should have left a lot of dates based off yeah. of that. And yet I did not. No, <laughs> I know, right? That's the other lesson. Yeah. I love watching people that are like, they'll treat the busboy the same that they would treat anyone that can further their career in any way. And kindness, it's for everyone. It's not just, you know, when someone's going to get something for you. Yes. Which is... 
you know, a lot in LA. Why are you in LA? <laughs> well, based on what <laughs> we've been talking here. about, you're like, I shouldn't be here. Um, <laughs> um, well, I guess I lived in New York for a couple of years just because I was like, I've got a visa. Why would I not want to try things out? And then I thought, I know this sounds very <laughs> negative of me, but there was a time period where I was conscious that the band won't last forever. Even if I wanted to, it's not going to. And I was like, what am I doing? I have to figure out what other things I can do at the same time and just start figuring that out. So I was like, oh, maybe LA is a lot more focused on writing for other people. Yeah. So um, came here with a view to being here for six months and then met boyfriend. Ah. He plays in a band here, but he does a lot of session playing for other people. Oh, okay. So yeah. Oh, now okay. we're here, and then the pandemic happened. So right, so again, yes. here, here. So now we're like here, here. We don't go. leave. <laughs> we don't go to anywhere. So um, yes, I mean, very grateful for the sunshine, and I feel like it may not be my forever home, but I've learned a lot from it. But yeah, I used to have a trickier relationship with LA when we would come for work, mm. because I think having spent more time here, I'm like, you can find your pocket, and you don't have to be involved in that aspect of yes. it. But whenever we came for work, I was just like, I hate everything about all of this because yeah. it seems the antithesis of what I think creativity is and should be and then when you're doing those handshakey schmoozy things I was just yeah. like, I hate this or even when you go to the pub you can't just go to the pub I was like and my partner is English so at least we have a certain yeah. like shorthand but I was like nobody can hang they can't <laughs> so it's like every two seconds it's like oh who recorded that for you and who made that and who did you write that with and I'm like oh guys like <laughs> there's no small talk but I think that I've definitely found a version of that which is calmer and then yeah. I guess we didn't go outside for two years. Right. So that helps yeah. that as helps. well. But I yeah. find living, you know, out this way, mm. it's a different... Oh, I grew up... We both grew up in L.A. Uh, but in Sorry, the, I slagged off. Sorry. Oh, no. Yeah. We're very <laughs> aware of all of its, you know, downfalls. Mm. But we grew up in the Valley, which is also a little different. But for me, having to go into L.A. or the city or anything like that, it's like... I almost feel like you have to pay me. <laughs> yes. It's just a little different and you're not surrounded by all the shit and like there's actually people that have a lot of different jobs this yeah. way and like, yeah and it feels a lot of like different things. I like when I'm driving around I'm like this could be like a really sunny Gilmore Girls <laughs> and it's given me more of an appreciation for if I do have to go into certain places for work like I didn't grow up here to see this stuff on TV it's like I've kind of have come around to the it's a bit wild isn't it never yeah. thought I would be driving around seeing this mm. on my random Tuesday afternoon so <laughs> yeah but I think when the band first started we were really lucky that so much stuff was happening around it but I look back and I'm like you were a baby like I was like yeah. 23 24 wow. a lot younger than my colleagues well not a lot so it's bad but <laughs> y younger than them the only female yeah I remember thinking a lot of that time period was just really terrifying you were really so. young that's really young that's like the mm. same age you were when you got yeah was 21 yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's young. Like you're... At the time, I thought I knew everything. Of course. <laughs> and then as things oh. were happening, I was like, I know nothing. Help. Help. <laughs> and I think that was what was interesting. I feel like I look at it now. Whenever people tag us in clips from that time period, I look at that. I'm like, oh, no, she's just so worried. And mm. it's interesting because I think I postured to everybody that I knew I was doing. And I was like, no, people aren't going to talk about me like that. And this is what's going to happen. And I'm like, it's just so fear-based. Mm -hmm. Whenever I see any interviews from that time I'm like you look like a tiny little baby and why were all these <laughs> why were all these men talking to you like that or letting like it was just up to me to do it for yeah. myself and I don't know I work with really nice encouraging sport of people but I think now because the band's been like we've had a lot of 10-year anniversaries recently Aww. so I think everyone's <laughs> reflecting on things 
it's been nice to have conversations with them where they've said they wish they'd acknowledged certain things more or oh, wow. view them differently in hindsight. And I think as a 34-year-old looking at that, I'm like, I would be like, move, move, take the microphone off her. Like, <laughs> sco- scoop, like, younger me out of the room. But, you know, it's the learning. Yeah. But that's the experience that taught you that. Like, you wouldn't be who you are today had you not gone through that experience. And it seems yeah. like you opened up a lot. You really gave yourself a voice outside of just your music. And we're talking back to kind of misogyny and all of that that was being directed at you, right? Yeah, I guess it was interesting to see how people interpreted it. Because I remember at the time just doing a lot of like having panic attacks in toilets and like um, things like that. But then when you talk, when I would talk to people about it, I, I don't know, I was raised not in a vocally feminist household, but it was never really a, a question. It was just like, if you work hard, you will... You will see rewards from that. And then, yeah, as a teenager, obsessed with Kathleen Hanna and all those things. So it just seemed like the thing to do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so if anything, I was like, I am doing the thing that I'm supposed to do because I'm very good at doing the things I'm supposed to do, <laughs> which I'm glad that I did. But yeah, I feel like it was like creating a persona and then having to live up to that. And oh. I'm glad that I did do that. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. But even then, sometimes I'm like, mm, when I write the fictional memoir, right. <laughs> people are going to be shocked about certain things. But yeah, I'm grateful to have had the chance to do that. And I think it's been interesting the last five-ish years because around the third Church's album, there was definitely a sense when we were trying to get promo stuff, people were like, eh, but it's not edgy when she talks about that anymore because like everything else is kind of caught up with that. And I remember feeling a bit frustrated by that because I was like, oh, well, what, what should I do then? Right. Like, and I guess that's the thing of being lucky enough to have a career that's lasted longer than like one record. It's how do you make yourself exciting to people consistently? And can you do that? Should you do that? I don't know. And I guess that's like how much. And I do think especially for female artists, the the pressure to reinvent is so much greater than it is on bands full of guys who can make the same record again and again and again. And not that women can't. I don't know. It just feels like there's extra. I feel like you have to just earn something a little bit more every time. And Yeah, yeah, that's really interesting because I don't think I've ever thought about it. But when you say it, you know, you look at all these female artists and they really are, it seems like trying like, now Taylor Swift is like obviously a very broad example, but it always seems like she's trying to do something or, you know, reinvent herself. Yeah. And, and I mean, I think everyone really, that you, if you really look at it, but you do see it more with female artists. Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah. I think that one of the things that's probably super annoying, and this could be my projection, I don't know if it is, but Project away. the attention you got for that wasn't a gimmick, right? It's like you were being genuine and that came across as edgy. So they're like, okay, we want that, but now that's not edgy anymore. So now construct something that is. Yes. Yeah. I guess you're kind of... Uh, beholden to the whatever the media narrative is or what the topic du jour is or whatever. Yeah. And I remember that being in a radio interview, just like a standard promo thing, we went in, there was competition winners, you'd play a couple of songs, you do the radio interview, you leave. And during that, the guy was listing off a list of questions and then he was like, what are your Me Too moments? And then asked that as if that's like, a st- and I was what? like, almost fell off my chair and I was like, <laughs> I don't know that you're taking this seriously if that's the way that you're asking people these things. You're like, what right are your now? Me too? It's you're just like, like this a, is the first one right here. Yeah. But this is 2018. So he's got to tick, 
tick it off his Whoa. list of wow. things that he has to ask. And I was like, I don't really know if it feels like you're engaging with the subject matter in the correct way. That you know? is crazy. And even like somebody um, <laughs> a few months ago sent me the a link to the, that we did a Google talk mm-hmm. <laughs> once um, around the first record. And I watched a bit of it. They sent me like a time stamped bit. And I was like, oh, I don't remember feeling like that was an unpleasant experience. I remember being like nervous and out of my comfort zone, but I don't remember thinking this is fucked up. (laughs) But then when I look back on it, I'm like, yeah, it is a room full of mostly men. And they're asking a 24-year-old who's got shaky hands, like, well, somebody says, they're like, well, what you're talking about, doesn't it seem like you, what do you want? You want an emotional bodyguard? And I was like, no. I'm saying that maybe the anonymous nature of the internet and the companies, the websites that you've helped set up is giving people access to say really incredibly cruel and like violent things to people, especially to women. Like now I'd be like, I don't know if that's on me. I think that's on you. And you don't have to ask it in such a glib and sarcastic way. You're clearly not taking it seriously. (laughs) But at the time I was like, "Um, well, no, I don't. mm, I don't think so. I just, you know, it's not. We have to find a way to yeah. deal with threats of rape and death on the yeah. internet. Sir. <laughs> like, but I look at it and I'm like, man, nobody said anything. Nobody, like I didn't even blink because yeah, that was just right. only like 10 years ago or whatever. But it's yeah. a different conversation. Right. I'd like to see you interview them. Now. Yeah. You know, and again, <laughs> I'm like 34 year old me would be like, give me that. but it's interesting because in theory it's not that much time to have passed but right i do think sometimes i'm like nothing has changed because people still ask me the same dumb questions and i still get talked to the same way and treated the same way by men in the industry but (laughs) yeah there are different answers and certain things are just not appropriate or accepted and other people would be like hey bro don't do that (laughs) no maybe because they knew people were watching them. And yeah, then not for there's the, right the accountability. Reason. Yeah, yeah. So mm. wow, I can't get over that Me Too checklist. That is just crazy. To me. That's insane. It's and like, I was what are like, your Me Too moments? I was like, like, let's go around the room and ask all the guys, shall we? Yeah. So I don't think. And I was like, again, it's like, I was like, you're not taking it seriously because you have no idea what any woman in this room has been through. So you don't understand what you're actually asking. And right. that's all. Like every time I see one of these stays on the internet where. I'm like, yes, again, women have to come forward and re-traumatize themselves by sharing their trauma mm-hmm. on the internet, their stories of abuse, their stories of abortion, in order to make the point that their lives should be protected, are valid, mm-hmm. that people should care. But it's always women having to do those things and mm-hmm. put themselves back in the, that position to make it known that it's an issue. You know, right. like, mm. Yeah. What a fun morning we're having. I mean, I we're just go, we're <laughs> going know. for it. I was like, I know, but like, yeah, but this is what we, this is what we do. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. This we want to go get there. In it. Yeah. <laughs> but what are your thoughts on the whole Me Too movement? Like, just as it's been presented, like, let's say in the business, or you know what I mean. Mm. Um, I feel like every time a journalist is like, "So, do you feel like Me Too has changed music?" I'm like, "No," <laughs> but then that feels overly negative because um, I guess you couldn't know this. Maybe we couldn't know this early. I think on a cynical level, I'm like, well, it's changing things insofar as even if people aren't editing their behavior for the right reasons, they're still editing their behavior True. Mm-hmm. when they're visible. Mm-hmm. So, right. mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know. It will be an interesting journey out of this. And I definitely have friends who have commented on changes they've made to their behavior or things that they have now realized were maybe not 
as kosher as they thought that they were. Right. Yeah. But it was interesting. I remember having conversations with people around 2017, 2018, where there were certain men. I'm like, oh, you're not getting it. You feel like people are taking things away from you. Mm. You're not really understanding. <laughs> right, like, right. <laughs> yeah. And I guess I, I tried to have a have a certain level of empathy and I was like, no, I just can't. Like, yeah. yeah. No. I can't. No. I can't care. And I was like, <laughs> <Not with> this. <laughs> yeah, but you don't realize that you had 40 years of your life where you, you got everything really you got everything. And now in order for other people to have access, you have to give up a little space. And right. Think, Which is like, give up what? Being a creep? <laughs> you know? like, yeah. Like, I'm sorry. Well, but, I yeah. just, I remember um, a person I knew around that time, she mm-hmm. said, um, talking about all female Ghostbusters and be like, oh, what next? What next? And I was like, oh. Why do, why do you care that much <gasps> that they're all female Ghostbusters? Because there are like... <laughs> male actors who might not get that job like guess what there's loads of other jobs oh yeah for white male actors you're gonna be fine yeah (laughs) and I don't know there was this weird moment where it seemed like people felt that oh well no straight white man can get a job anymore I'm like I don't know I'm watching tv I'm like listening to alternative radio I think that just lots alive and well <laughs> still going like it's maybe just you like, right yeah that I think might that be a you thing okay. I don't <laughs> and yeah it was just interesting to get that to right. see that through because to me I was like nothing about this is negative this is all positive if anything we should be broadening the conversation and making sure it's not just about rich white ladies like mm-hmm. yeah I was like well and that makes sense because why would you not want to see on tv or hear on the radio something that's actually representative of people that make art Mm-hmm. I don't understand but I guess that's we understand why right. it isn't like that but to me I don't really see why that's a negative thing unless you're being defensive about it unless yeah. and we make it all about like our guilt and our shame right mm-hmm. and I'm like it's not really for once it's not about us right for once guys for it's once not, guys yes. yeah I have two boys so that's an interesting place to be as a mother is like how do you raise them with the awareness mm. in a way that teaches them how to be men, you mm. know, and respectful ones. And, you know, that kind of awareness is tricky. It is. I have, a, I have a friend who's an actor and he is just terrified. He's like, I like retracing every step, you know, mm. that he's he's had and done. Um, and he's like, I'm just waiting for like, something to come out. And he's not like a really famous actor or anything, but he's still like... Particularly, he's not really terrible. He's person. not a really well, terrible... I mean, are we sure? He's not because a real person. Why it's is actually, he so scared? I mean, it's Bradley Cooper, but I mean, he's not that famous. No. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Um, but yeah, like it's just, you know, living in fear every day because they think that they're going to get taken out. But, but, but I don't know. So like, then I'm like, if there's smoke, there's fire. I feel like Rob... Sitting in the corner. Yeah. The I, I feel like Rob to... is not retracing his steps in fear. Are you? Are, do you? No, 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 I don't. No. <laughs> because I think he knows who he is and he knows how he treats people. And I think it's pretty clear. No, but clearly my friend. What? <laughs> clearly your friend was a may creep. have been a little inappropriate or what? Like my husband is a doctor and I'm like, have you ever been scared that someone's going to like... Me to you. Me to you and say you because... And he's like, no. Mm-hmm. Like... Because he knows he doesn't act inappropriate with people. So, right. Mm-hmm. And I have a friend who's a producer who he's also like, 
oh God, if any, I'm going to get me too. You know what I mean? Like, I think a, you might be hanging out with the wrong crowd. <laughs> what bunga bunga parties were they going to? Listen, is... all my dudes, they're basically rapists. I don't know what to say. Yeah. I'm sorry. No, I'm, that's very inappropriate. But, you know, it's just interesting that all these men, like they're scared, but it's like, well, why are you scared? Mm-hmm. That's what I'm and why saying. Why are you yeah. not scared until now? Like, right. There's certain things I look back on in my life where I'm like, oh, wish I hadn't done that. Wish I hadn't said that. Wish I had recognized certain things. Like, you know, like I was part of a feminist collective or whatever in Glasgow and we would book shows and we had a radio program and all this stuff. And I look at something like that and I'm like, that was a great moment in my life. I learned a lot from that. I got a lot of friends from that. But we weren't super aware of purposefully including trans women in that and making people Mm -hmm. sure like that that was acknowledged and there wasn't a huge racial diversity in the bookings that we were making. And I look at that and I'm like, that was some, that was some white feminism you were up to. Right. <laughs> you, didn't, you didn't know, you know? though, hindsight, but yeah, right? But, uh, yeah. Well, I mean, part of me is like, mm, I should have known. But I think that's the moment. It's like, okay, well, you have to take the moment, take the lesson and do something about it rather than getting defensive or going into yeah, the, right. the guilt of it or the shame of it and then not actually thinking about it. And then I can look at that and be like, okay, well, I'm glad that my approach to feminism, it has changed since 2011 and it should have because that's a long time, you know? I think that's a weird moment. I don't know. I feel like there's this shame around people changing their opinions or changing their beliefs and I'm like, well, you shouldn't have the same, like a core set of values, sure, but like you should be changing how you think about things as you learn more and as you grow and as you mature and yeah, so not just ragging on everybody. I'm saying that I should improve also, but you know, I know actively I haven't done I haven't done anything that bad that it would end my career. Right. But I do think there's a lot, you know, it's a lot of people that have a lot of things in the back of their mind that they're probably worried about. Right. Yeah. No, but it's huge for you to be able to be like, well, I can look at myself and I can see what I need to improve, you know, because that's the biggest part is looking within, you know, and we have a friend who claims she's like, super unhappy and she blames it on all the external stuff and I'm like hello Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know yeah you gotta like take your own accountability for if anything I go first when I'm like I'm unhappy and it's because I'm a piece of shit (laughs) (laughs) and then again my partner's like this might not be helpful yeah "Mm." it's okay to think that the first time and then the second thought would be I forgive myself for the judgment I place on myself. I I forgive myself for being a piece of shit. Yeah. Not for being a piece of shit, for the judgment placed on me. Yes. For thinking I'm a piece of shit. I definitely do a lot of talking out loud to myself in the house now where I'm like, well, that's not nice. We don't say that. Come on. And then I have to like move forward. Yeah. Yeah. It's, It's definitely, it's not easy. I mean, I feel like, you know, it speaks to us always just being programmed a certain way and, and. From I don't know. Maybe I wasn't programmed that way. Like, I'm not good enough. But I definitely started out with that mentality, but it wasn't taught. It was just how I was born. I, <laughs> I looked at her. I'm like, like who asking, am I? Because yeah. like, well, I've been examining her for a good 25 <laughs> years. Just like this. Like, like, can you tell me who hmm, am I? <laughs> I don't ever think you had the programming I'm not good enough. Hmm. That's why, you, like, for me, I would tag my own team in flag football because I'd rather lose than try. Whereas you... I'd take everybody the fuck down. That's it. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? She never was like, I'm not good enough. It was never... Well, not in a cocky way, just in a really healthy a way. way. In a competitive... (laughs) Super competitive. Beast mode But having that that fire, fire in the belly probably helped propel you forward in life. It did. Maybe. 
Oh, I can't believe you tag, <laughs> tagged yourself me, out. Like, yeah. She tagged herself out. Isn't that so sad? That's yeah. really sad. I know. But you just like worked through that with... I did just work through that because <laughs> I was having a problem with my child because he's hard of hearing and he's not speaking and all these things and I would get uncomfortable. And instead of letting... Like in front of other people. Yeah, you know, like instead was, of letting people experience him... I'd be like, he's deaf. He can't talk. He's behind. He's this. He's that. And my therapist was like, it sounds like you're still flagging your own team. Oh, I, I know. Was like, I was like, oh, shit. Like that fuck. is like, I'd rather be like, I'm going to fail. Watch instead of try and not. And this, you know? like, I don't have kids as discussed, but a lot of my friends do. And like the, sh- the shaming of mothers and the like that's been absolutely wild to watch especially friends who have kids with additional needs and like it's weird that other mothers don't have empathy for that experience a lot of the time and it yeah that must be incredibly difficult to process yeah I think sometimes you feel like the other mothers like I've felt constantly judged and (laughs) and also like it's like this weird protectiveness of them feeling like I can tell they feel grateful their kid is normal and then mm. that makes me like, yeah. But I hate when you say that word "normal." Well, I hate it too now. But that's the way it feels right. inside. Is right. like, oh, they're like, oh, thank God. Yeah, you know, yeah. it does yeah. bring up a lot of that that shame thing, you know, especially mm-hmm. with mothers, because you always feel like you're being judged or my kid, you know, watching TV for hours a day or whatever it is. There's just so much pressure, I think, in this society and then so many aspects, not even just mothers, like in anything. And it's like, you just sometimes you just want to like... <laughs> Progress, not perfection. There you yeah. go. Well, yeah. And every time I'm on a plane and I see people huffing and puffing about someone's kid crying, I'm like, I don't think anyone wants that kid to stop crying more, more than, than that, that person. Oh my God. There's oh my nothing God, no worse. Idea. Oh yeah. Oh my God. On oh my God. Plane, I just went to <laughs> Pittsburgh. Yeah. And my kid, he screamed legitimately the whole time. I would scream on a plane if it was socially acceptable, to be honest. Right? <laughs> We're all trained not to do that. Yeah. But kids are just like reacting yeah. to them. Like, I'm trapped in he this place and it smells badly and my ears hurt. And no. then we were sat in front of an autistic young man. So then the autistic young man would scream back every time my kid screamed. Um, and he'd go, stop screaming. And I was like, Am I in like a nightmare? Like what is going on here? And then everybody's looking at me like, like do something. Like if like what? What were you? I ended up putting him on my chin and breastfeeding him, and he doesn't breastfeed anymore. And he doesn't breastfeed anymore. (laughs) I'm like suck my boob. I don't care. I don't know. It's like these are my options. I have to. It's gnarly. (sighs) Yeah, I I remember. This is totally random, but I remember Jessica Alba. We were at an event. And for some reason, we got on the topic of kids and planes and whatever. And she had like a routine down. She's like, you get that car seat on that plane. You buckle them in. They can't move. You put that iPad in front of them. They're screaming. (laughs) You lock yourself in the bathroom. Even if people are knocking for three hours, you stay in that bathroom with that child. (laughs) Like I was like, what? You know, like, so like, okay. There needs to be like an an honest advice book about this. You can put it on the website. Like help us, teach us your ways. Teach us your ways. Give us all the rules of early childhood travel. But I was like, all right, okay. She's got it locked down. That's amazing. I know. Listen, the iPad comes in handy. I, we've gone off the rails again. We tend to do we that. We always but. go off the rails. That's <laughs> we're what we're here for. How does Calvin do on planes? He has a five-year-old. 
He's pretty good. Uh, with, <laughs> he, he gets the iPad. Yeah. And, but when he was a baby and younger, he just likes to cuddle a lot. So oh, shut up. Just, <laughs> you're like, oh, cuddling. Yeah. Oh, good that's a problem. Oh. Yeah. The, oh, poor you. No. That sounds nice. Though. That's that's really lucky. And now you're about to bring another one in the mix. So maybe this will be your. <laughs> yeah, hopefully, it'll be awful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's really. Oh man, you're lucky. Yeah. Do you want kids? Um, I was thinking about this recently because I was at um, I, like I'm of the age where all my friends are having babies doing and right. getting married and doing the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And I was at the pub the other night and there was another engagement thing. And when the person was telling the story, I realized I was like, I'm not wired right, I don't think. Because other people at the table were like, show us the ring. And I was like, oh yeah, the ring. Like I didn't even, like, there were certain things that just didn't occur to me. And I don't know, like it's not something I think about consciously in terms of, I feel like I need this right now. I'm missing out on this. But then I do wonder sometimes if I just train myself out of that because in the job that I'm in, I'm like, you need to be like arenas, stadiums mm-hmm. level to be able to take your kid on tour and be able to right. do it. Like, I'm like, you can't, the level that we're at, I'm like, we wouldn't. And not, it can, can be done, but I just, right. like to me, I'm like, there's certain things I would definitely need to sacrifice that I'm not willing to do. And if you're mm-hmm. thinking about it as a sacrifice, it says to me that you're not in like <laughs> mommy brain space. Yeah. But I don't know. I was thinking about it when I was in the pub wistfully over my pint. I was like, mm-hmm. am I just, I might be wired incorrectly because <laughs> you're like, I don't care to see that. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. And I was like, I just, oof. And, but I don't know. I, so I can't tell. I'll worry about it later. I'll have an yeah. existential crisis about it later. I don't have time. <laughs> yeah, you have time. You're yeah. young. But it's actually, it's like practical thinking. You're like, this doesn't make sense. Yeah, I guess if it was something that you really wanted, you would figure it out. Mm-hmm. But I feel like the reason I'm thinking about it is because I'm 34 and I feel like people think that I should want it. And I have a lot of friends that want it and are doing that. And mm-hmm. then I look at that and I'm like, hmm, is it bad? I don't. Nope. It, no. it sure I isn't. I wish more people That's didn't want it. That's the other like shameful judgment thing. Yeah. Would you say you wish more people didn't want it? <laughs> yes. A lot because of people, I don't think a lot, a lot of people, people are good parents. I'm not going to uh-huh. lie. And I think a lot of people, if they would have actually, who, who were we talking to? Uh, Kristen Kitsch. And we're like, do you want kids oh, yeah, and she, she had like a kids. really thoughtful answer on why she didn't want kids and I'm you like should ask her I'm like, <laughs> yeah. I'm like that's the kind of person that should be a parent because mm. they used their brain to think about it instead oh, that, of yeah. just being like I'm this age I should I should fit into the 34 year old woman brain mm. but I think a lot of people have kids and they didn't put any thought into it before. I don't think I put a lot of thought into it <laughs> yeah because you always knew it's different when you know yeah. Okay. That's you know, fair. like I didn't put thought into it because I it was just like a knowing. An this is my announcement knowing. for for my child that she was an accident. No, I'm just kidding. She was not. She was not. My first one. Yeah. I wonder, and I have friends that have said that they had no strong feelings about it at all, and then one day they woke up and they were like, "I need it. It yeah. needs to happen." So that may maybe that'll happen. But um, yeah, I've definitely been in relationships with people who really wanted kids and we mm. talk about that to me a lot and I was like where am I putting this baby yeah. <laughs> am I putting it like on a pelly case as we're loading into a venue in Boston right. like what am I do- what am I doing with this yeah but I don't know and I guess also I think being in a band or working in entertainment you can be afforded a stunted adolescence mm-hmm. for a very long time if you so choose to so sometimes yeah. I'm like am I doing that mm-hmm. and I'm like no I can't tell but yeah I don't know whenever me and my partner have spoken about it we're like 
never say never, but it's not something that yeah. we think about in this moment in time. Right. Yeah. So because like, all right, there is is this Let's continue moment. being irresponsible. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. It's fine. <laughs> you know, we'll, we'll figure that out later. Do you get nervous when you perform at big venues and stuff? It just, to me, it sounds I'm terrifying. <laughs> less, less so now than I used to. But at the beginning of, at the beginning of the band, it was a lot of puking in trash cans. And really? Yeah, like legitimate puking. You said yeah. like panic attacks and bathrooms and things yes. like that. Yes, and I think that's just because, again, like our manager says, she's an accidental singer. <laughs> like Because in every other band I'd been in, I'd played an instrument and we'd played to about 20 people max. And we were lucky that churches really kicked off. But I was I had no idea what to do with my limbs. I was like, I've never been a front person. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I never, I've just felt so conscious. I was like, everyone's looking at me and judging me and thinking that I should be better at this when I've only been doing this for like nine months and I don't know what I'm doing. Um, and it took a long time to get out of that headspace. And after the first album cycle, I went home and did like community dance classes in, really? in a place oh, in, in Glasgow. Not because I ever actually really danced on stage, but because I was like, you need to figure out how to be uncomfortable and then the next bit will be better. Mm. Um, I don't know. I had a kind of wake up moment when we were on tour once where I was kind of conscious that, I don't know, I think you, it's kind of selfish to make a live show about you as the performer because yes, it's about you in terms of you're doing it. But for me, the bit that's fully about me is the writing part. And now I see it as like, it's quite selfish to think that people are coming to judge you. And I was like, I go to concerts of bands I love because I love those songs and they're meaningful to me in my life. I'm not coming to critique this person. Right. So if anything, now I feel like I'm kind of like the compare they want you to help facilitate their evening of feelings or yes. whatever, you know? And then that mm -hmm. just really took the pressure off, kind of, because I was like, well, it doesn't need to be perfect. No one's sitting, unless they're, you know, an avid pitchfork reader. Right. <laughs> and then I'm like, well, why would you spend 50 quid on this ticket? That's your problem. But yeah, the rest of the time, people just kind of want to have the experience that's about them and their friends and their memories. And mm -hmm. yeah, I think that's helped with the... The puking a lot yeah. <laughs> and puking is very bad to do before singing by the way I would oh, imagine if you're uh, yeah the anxiety of what if I sing terribly and oh, I've never had vocal training what will I do what will I do and yeah. then you vomit definitely makes that worse oh, <laughs> oh my god it makes so, me nauseous thinking about yes, that yeah it wow. wasn't great but you know but that mentality gross, shift gross. though yeah, gross. yes I it's think just huge. yeah and doing it enough times to realize that if you forget the words it'll be fine like do you forget the words yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Like still for some reason there's some little bits that just get there's certain songs every so often I'll just always forget the second verse or something and I'm like why? Yeah. Why? Like yeah. I know but on the first record I would start forgetting things and then be freaked out about forgetting things so I would be thinking like yes. two sections ahead in the mm. song while I'm doing it and then it got to a point where I was like taping out lyrics on a stage and I looked at it and I was like no there's like nine songs <laughs> and we only have like one record this is a bad sign but it's just the fear of it and then the fear of failing and the fear yeah. of other people seeing you fail and they being like see I always knew yes. and I think that's been a weird like monkey on my back I'm sure that everybody feels like that and that's the imposter syndrome or sure. whatever but I didn't ever train for this the guys in the band went to music school I didn't mm. do that and yeah. When we were doing stuff, I just had this constant feeling like when we were getting signed, there was a lot of the person I was dating at the time and a lot of people around Glasgow, there was a sense of she doesn't know what she's doing. She doesn't really deserve this. And mm -hmm. I think I just internalized all of that. And then as I st started to do very minor forgivable fuck ups in shows, I was like, oh, 
it's just going to be even more obvious to people that I don't know what I'm doing and I shouldn't be here. And maybe when people say things, like I remember being at a house party in Glasgow around that time and hearing somebody say, oh, well, the only reason Ian and Martin got her in the band is because they need like a pretty girl to sing it for them. And I, I cried and I left. <laughs> but that to me is my worst fear because I was like, it just completely belittles any creative contribution you have. It belittles anything to do with that. And the partner I had at the time was very not supportive and in hindsight, very envious. And mm. I was open to hearing those things clearly. Yeah, right. And I internalized a lot of that. So then when I'm on the tour, I'm like, everyone knows. Everyone yeah. will oh, now know oh. that I am terrible. And then now I'm like, yeah, that's just brain, the brain ego. stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's brain just stuff. brain stuff. Those stories. So. And, and deserving. It goes back to like this. I work with young girls. I do spiritual psychology. So I work on the mind and the stories a lot. And one of the young girls I work with is a singer and she's fucking amazing. And she didn't do anything to become amazing. Like she just has a beautiful voice. And I feel like there's this programming that in order to have success or notoriety or for people to appreciate what you do, you had to do something for it Mm. as opposed to just being deserving because it's your gift. Like your voice is absolutely incredible. Like when I hear that, I'm like, that's a gift. Like you can't do something to get that voice. Like you could train all you want. I could train every day of my life. I will not have your Voice. Your husband gives you singing lessons every occasion. As a yeah, my husband <laughs> gifts me singing lessons because mm-hmm. my biggest thing I would want to be is a singer, but I'm like basically tone deaf. So never going to happen. Try it in a Scottish accent. They might like it. Maybe <laughs> it That's might the key. <laughs> but when I hear you, I'm like, and I was thinking this, like, that's a gift. Mm-hmm. Like, and, and I think that we need to give ourselves more permission to accept those gifts. And for it to be okay that you didn't do anything for it. Like, mm. you know, just like people have gifts of intuition and gifts of creativity or they're business-minded. Like, let's but you're, all the, just... the whole way that you, you know, what you were just explaining is so relatable. And whether it's singing or anything else people do in their lives and thinking, oh, they're going to they're gonna be on to me. Like, mm-hmm. I'm not actually that, you know, and it, it's... They'll find out and they'll, they'll take find... my, my license to... Sing away? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. Like there's no co- real consequence, right? But it's mm. just what the brain does in the stories that we tell ourselves. And why do we care so much what other people think? I always say I don't. And I'm like, well, you must. You must right? be yeah. a bootlicking people pleaser. Otherwise, this yeah. wouldn't be happening. Right. But yeah. And I don't know. I guess especially for for women, I feel like there's always this extra layer to your achievements. Like when I heard that person say that, I was so hurt by it because maybe it fed into some insecurity that I had. But I was like, if that was the case, any band I'd ever been in at any point would have been able to be successful. I was like, mm, I don't see that. Like, that's not how that works. Like, it has to be a bit of music. People don't come to the shows because they think I have nice hair or whatever. <laughs> like, that doesn't <laughs> make any sense. But at the time, it uh, yeah, you can internalize that. And I just remember like when I was still working in media, getting a job interview at the BBC uh, on like a music show and the guy, different guy, many great choices by me, uh, different guy that I was dating was like, oh, well, that must be because he knew the producer and he was like, oh, well, yeah, like he, he fancies you. So that's why you got that. And I was like, not because I've done all these other jobs and right. studied like at university and I like, did all these things. No, can't be that. But that's just, yeah. That was his insecurity. And there's yeah. just oh, the really easy way to just get you back in your box. 
Mm. Right. And I still see that like in day to day in interactions I have with people. I'm like, oh, yeah, even at this point, this far into our career, there's still a way to just quietly just be like just a little little tap to get you back in the, the zone. So I guess that's that's the work is yeah, trying to is politely work. be like, no. No, yeah. I don't want to go in the box. I don't want to go in the, the box. The box is not for me. <laughs> Even though I'm like, mm, I've lived in there for so many years. Right. Like, yeah, it's comfort quite, zone. quite comfortable. And mm. no, I, yeah. Interesting that your boyfriend put it to you like that because obviously he just didn't. Well, now I can see it. And I'm like, yeah. well, I was like t- 21 going, like, mm. stop dating older guys. That's mm. advice I would give to myself. But yeah, and I'm like, well, that was an older guy who was insecure about his position in life and. Sure. The way that, the way, obviously, why would you, you know, not that you can't have age gaps in relationships, but in that instance, I'm like, yeah, now, like, my current partner has younger sisters, and when I talk to them, I'm like, they're, like, amazing and smart and funny, and but they're 18 and they're 21. Mm-hmm. Like, when mm-hmm. I'm talking to them, I'm like, we men had no business. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Because when I was yeah. 21, I was like, oh, yes, I watch French films and I'm very smart. Mm-hmm. But, I, you know, you're 21. There's mm-hmm. no reason you should be dating 30-year-olds. There's no... Like, you know, unless everyone's situation is different. But I look back on those things. I'm like, oh, yeah, I didn't think that was messed up at the time. But yeah. now, I, yeah, looking at men of my age dating girls, of the, I'm like, stop it. Right. Stop it. Leave them alone. Yeah. I know that you look at them now and you're like, they're kids. Oh, kids. yeah. But at the time, we were like, oh, I've got a very smart older boyfriend. And he's a, oh, yeah. he's a music yeah. lecturer and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, oh... Mm-hmm. No, no. Mm-hmm. But and then I get you internalize those messages. So when he said that, I act out loud was like, "That's not nice." But I internalized that, yeah. and um, I remember him sending me a joke email in air quotes that uh, had a is it is it Faith No More or No Effects? I can't remember. Uh, but they have a song, and the lyric in it is "Kill rock stars, how ironic, Kathleen! You've been crowned their latest queen. Can't change the world by hating men." because I was in my peak Kathleen Hanna bikini kill phase. And he sent me this email to be like, just FYI. And I'm like, why? Well, now I'm like, yeah, you've just drawn a circle around some very shitty male behavior and some terrible songwriting. Thank you for that. But that's a weird thing to do to a partner. But it's like, it's the get back in your box thing. Yeah. So I mm. I mean, you putting it that way is like, I haven't heard it that way. And it's so right on, you know, and just keeping you... Like that. And yeah, yeah, from within relationships, from people that in theory support you, whether those are personal relationships, work relationships, it's Mm -hmm. just interesting. But maybe by the, if I reach 50, 60, I'm going to be terrible. (laughs) (laughs) Just going to be sitting in a rocket chair hexing people. I don't know. I'll be joining you. (laughs) Yeah, it's just interesting to realize how much, I don't know. I think, especially the last couple of years, I'm like, yeah, you have to be very careful with the people you surround yourself with and Big you time. are you are what you eat in that way right you are yeah. you are you're what my husband always says like what is it like you're the sum value of the five closest people in your life I probably said that really wrong <laughs> that's nice yeah, I think that's a nice thing idea. to yeah. Yeah. yeah and it's been I feel like I've done a lot of ragging on <laughs> the, the males over the last no. however long but I feel like being in a relationship with a you know, I don't know how long we were together for, but my current partner is genuinely actually supportive and like is interested in my creative life, in my career, in my hopes and dreams, not just in the tag in at the end of the day to see what you did and then I'll tell you about my stuff. Wait, oh, yeah. like mm. he's actually interested. And 
I remember being shocked that he would turn up to shows he said he was going to come to. And, I, and I'm like, well, you're actually going to come to that tour date? And he's like, why would I not? I said I would. And I'm like, oh, that's wow. not been my experience. Like, wow. you know, and I'm like, oh, it's just actually nice to have somebody be interested and not envious of it. Yeah. Or not yeah. just undercutting genu- it. Yeah. And- Genuinely, authentically support it. Like mm. having real support, there's such a difference. Yeah, it's not just the... The gestures of, and it's interesting how you you teach yourself or you learn to accept stuff that mm. is not okay. Mm-hmm. I think it sometimes what shows up as what could look like support is actually control. Yeah, yeah. And I guess it's weird to realize. <laughs> I guess you see it sometimes reflected to you in your current partner because sometimes I don't realize. Like, not that I don't think I've had some great experiences and some very shitty experiences. And then sometimes I see he is in the mirror. Like during lockdown, we were trying to make this Churches album and he plays his own music but records and does production stuff. And he was like, I can help you record your vocals. And I was like, no. <laughs> and I immediately was like, no, I no, no, I can't have that. I can't, I can't do that. And he was like, why, why? Like, or I can teach you how to use the setup or any of that. And I was like, no, I can't. But we couldn't go into anybody else's house. So I was like, well, I just can't record vocals then. And he was like, I'm offering to help you. Why (laughs) will you not accept my help? And I was just like, I don't want these two things to be connected. I don't want the streams to cross because I don't want a partner involved in my creativity because it's just going to be really terrible and then everything's going to go wrong. And then Mm. this other thing's been ruined. And he was like, Jesus Christ. (laughs) He's just offering to track your vocal. And I was like, ooh, okay. And yeah, I think it's weird because I learned to be so protective of my creative life because I feel like so many men have tried to undercut it and derail it and yeah so, so did you open up to him doing it I did yes yeah. his, only, did his only criteria was that he didn't want to be in any of the <laughs> the uh, Instagram footage or whatever he was yeah. like please angle it away from my head I don't want to be involved and I'm like alright that's fine and it was fine yeah if anything it was me that got more touchy about things <laughs> he was just quietly doing his work and I guess that was an exercise it's the lack of trust I suppose yeah yeah yep. um, for sure and I was like okay I've come to terms with the fact he may not be actively trying to undermine and then when we were recording some lyrics I'd be like not you obviously this is not you like I'll write a nice song about you later and he's like no you won't I'm like okay no but yeah I'm like not you sorry but also I do think there's something in that not a lot of men especially men who work in the same thing that you do would be able to sit and record songs where their girlfriend's talking about horrible experiences she's had with other men <laughs> I don't think oh, yeah. yeah you know there's we a, just went through we that just, yeah because we're, we're recording this now and we've talked about things that you know we get pretty personal you mm. know and talk about ex-boyfriends and and physical relationships and things and I was scared with Jeff just you because with my husband yeah. I was like I talk about like past boyfriends and orgasms and you know just you were, were really open and he listened and he was like I was like did it make you feel uncomfortable and he's like not at all I honestly wanted to hear more like and I was like, oh, we're like, that's how we tell our full support if they're okay hearing about all of our past <laughs> yeah. sexual experiences. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess mine are just written in like, yeah. in a kind of rhyming scheme. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> Yours is much more poetic and you're like, you know. So, and then I hated them. Yes, <laughs> exactly. But yeah, it's really nice to feel that support because that is like unconditional stuff. 
Yeah. Right? And it, it just means that the person's able to separate their experience and like literally support you mm-hmm. and be like, this is your dream. This is something you love. This lights you up, turns you on. Like, let me help. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. And it's, I don't know. I guess I was just about to be like, hopefully I won't uh, in a couple of years be like, I was wrong, you guys. But, yeah. <laughs> but I don't know. It's nice to be in a dynamic where you feel like you can pick up positive traits from people. Whereas I feel like I've picked up a lot of not not necessarily positive traits yeah. in previous things. So this poor guy, now, he, well, I was going to say he's unpicking all of it, but I suppose I'm unpicking all of it while mm. he's standing there being like, oh, there, she's crying into the cat again. Yes. <laughs> but I don't know. I think a certain amount of crying into cat is always going to happen because yeah. that's like the, emo- the makeup of a being an emotional person, yeah, I guess. Yes. I think it's a great but saying too, crying into the cat. I think that's she really using that She was from like, why is happening? Why? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. I need to get a cat just for that purpose. <laughs> like I have two. You can, we can each take, yeah, we'll pass them around. Like, we'll pass yep. them around the unit. <laughs> we're, we're a big fan of crying in my house. Like, because my husband and I went to spiritual psychology school together and it was very oh. encouraged to cry. Oh. And so anytime one of us cries, we you celebrate rid- it. Fuck yeah. We get so happy. We're like, go ahead, babe. Let it Do out. It. Let me let like oh. let me hold you while you cry. He never tries to stop it. Hmm. You know, it's we were taught not to stop crying. Like they would have Kleenex boxes <laughs> and you weren't allowed to offer the people a Kleenex because oh. what that does is it subconsciously signals them to stop oh. or to clean it up. You know, and I was like, wow, that's fascinating. Like how often when someone cries, do we go to touch them? Mm -hmm. Or it's basically Mm. signaling stop. Like something's wrong. Yeah. Mm. As opposed to just like literally holding space for that person to feel what they're feeling and let it move through them. So I like a good shower cry because it can be like hands hands free. Hands free. free. No no cleanup required. You can just just Mm go. But then does it blend right wet? (laughs) Oh yeah. I've to I've had to shut them out of the the bathroom because we we changed the shower the shower curtain so now it's like transparent. Uh, like the inner one is transparent and yeah. uh, my boyfriend's become incredibly horrified by that because they like the sound of the water and yeah. when it was like oh, no. a white curtain you wouldn't see them so it didn't feel weird but now you can just see the <laughs> creepy little faces and he's like get them out it's horrible <laughs> so yeah this, that's his only demand is please stop letting the cat in the bathroom but they sit and like claw at the door when he's in there so I'm like oh, they must want to say hi so I let them I in and, daddy. yeah I'm encouraging them to like bully him I guess <laughs> it's so, really funny yeah if that's his only it's his only criteria I can, I can do. You that. know what? That's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> if all he asks is the cats don't watch him shower. <laughs> That's fine. But I guess that would be okay. We yeah. always take the dog out during sex. We do. Mm. You do. Do you? Are they attracted by the it activity? Feels weird. I, think it's a, I will say like one of the dogs in our rotation is yeah. newer. So mm. when it first was happening, she was like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, like trying to get all up in it. Yes. Like, what is this? You know? Yeah. Uh, and now she's used to it. But yeah, in the beginning, it was a little hairy Yeah, like strawberry would go up in the, in the zones. You know what I mean? She'd be like, what are we doing? <laughs> it's like, we do everything together. This sounds fun. Yeah. Like, no, 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 no. This is that's or just strictly... watching. Like, just oh. watching. I'm like, this is Sitting weird. there staring. Yeah. I wonder if they perceive what I actually... Is cause sometimes the cats will watch like something like TV, like if there's an image on the TV, like, <laughs> yeah. or they look at something out the window. So I'm like, maybe it's similar to that, or can they tell 
animalistically than it. I don't know. I feel like they have to intuitively and animalistically <laughs> so they're just know a bit something's pervy. going they're like, down. Yeah. Then yeah. they like mountain each other. They're like, okay. They're like, oh, it's go time. we're doing? So see, we did it again. We went off the I rails. Know, I'm sorry. I know. We're really terrible. <laughs> so we, we typically play a game. Is it a good time to play the game? We like to play Bang, Mary, Barry. Who are we going to do? Johnny Greenwood. Yep, from Radiohead. Vin Diesel and Donald Glover. Um, mm, I feel bad saying what I'm about to say, but um, <laughs> I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna bury Vin. Oh, sorry yeah. to say, that's but, I get it. Um, I would do. Yeah, I remember he presented the European MTV Awards or whatever in yeah. Scotland once and wore a leather kilt. I've never forgiven him for that. Oh, okay, wow. <laughs> yeah, that <laughs> is unforgivable. He's yeah. buried. I was like, that's enough. You That's can it. choose to kill him then. Uh, yeah, you can uh, change it to kill him if you like. <laughs> Whichever terminology is used. Yeah. <laughs> Politically, I abstain from making that decision. Yeah. Um, and who were the other two? Donald Glover and mm, Johnny Greenwood. Um, mm, I'm going to say Mar- Mary Greenwood, uh, bang, bang Glover. Yeah, yeah, you're in a bang, you know bang what? Glover. You <laughs> did well. We Thanks. will say we had someone when we gave them you know, what, bury, they were too scared to like bury them as and kill them. So they buried them in the sand and they played oh. together. Yeah. Well, that's nice. <laughs> I was saying. apparently a lot more savage. I was like, first oh. of all, leading with yeah. that. Um, but yeah, I have seen Magic Mike too. Um, okay. So I remember the Donald Glover scenes in Magic Mike too. I haven't seen, I haven't seen Wait, Donald Glover is in yeah, Magic Mike. Yeah. Childish Camping. Mm-hmm. Wait, mm-hmm. am I getting it wrong? Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, he does some singing. Really, I'll some, on it today. He's like in... Dude, One, yeah. just his like, what's his famous? He's super swaggy. No, but what's the music uh, video? His yeah, song, this like, is this is America. Yeah, yeah. So that is good. one of the coolest. And he's videos. a great, incredible singer, but great writer as well. Uh, so I would say yeah. it's a toss up between where I go for him and Johnny in terms of the. No, I feel like he, yeah, that was, yeah, that was a good way to go. Yeah, Johnny was right to marry. Thanks. <laughs> I think that, <laughs> that was a song. I would have done the right. same. Radiohead seem, like that. Yeah, Radiohead it seemed like they're in a more positive less cranky era yeah (laughs) so if it was like meeting people is easy era i'm like i don't think i could marry any of those (laughs) but you know they were having a tough time they were having a tough time it's a lot of touring yeah a lot of touring for them so no i i agree with you wholeheartedly i have a band called the smile now yes yes which i just up there I learned this morning when I was leaving the house that we are ha- having a smile stream viewing party on Saturday. And I was like, are we? Oh, you know. I was like, what is this, Matt? What's going on? What are we doing? <laughs> oh, they're doing like a live stream. Yes. Concert. From the Roundhouse or something? Yeah, no. Something. So, yes, 5, 5 p.m. And I was like, that's very early to, <laughs> to start thinking about Radiohead. But I think yeah, <laughs> Sam was like, I think about Radiohead all the time. I'm like, okay, okay, yeah. I will do this for you. Aww, you that's, that's support awesome. my mental breakdowns and I will facilitate. <laughs> I will support your Radiohead. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? He is the, he's the cutest one at Radiohead, right? I'm trying to picture. I would say, yeah. I like that you look to Rob. Rob, Like, Rob, is he? He had had the iconic look. He had the iconic hair. Because I have like this, there's a picture. I guess traditionally, I would say Johnny is. Yeah, that's what I'm picturing. Non-traditionally, you feel drawn. You feel like Tom? Tom. He's got, he's got. Tom's got his thing. And like, definitely one of my favorite guitarists of all time. Like one, definitely one of the most iconic guitarists, I Mm. would say. When he scored 11 movies this year. Really? T. 
No, oh yeah, what did I see? He did Power of the Dog. He did Spencer. Did he, Spencer. Spencer. That's what I Power of the Dog because I just watched it. The music was very present in what I remembered most from the movie. Yeah, mm. that's Johnny because he didn't like There Will Be Blood. Oh, that oh, makes wow. sense. Well, when we're married, guys. Yeah. You can come around and ask yeah, him. Yeah, exactly. Oh, I will. And I will ask him about what it was like to be in Harry Potter. So. Ah. The prom. Mm-hmm. Yes, <laughs> yes. We definitely watch the same things. Yeah. Now you guys just take over and yeah. go. <laughs> but yeah, that's, yeah, the music was really, really incredible. But your music is incredible. And yes. I <laughs> feel so lucky to have been able to talk to you. And no, thank you guys for having me. now. I yes. enjoyed You're this You're so talented rant. and amazing. So. Thank you. Thank sure. you. And now I will cry yes. off my... <laughs> Wait, no cat, no cat we needed. Go, <laughs> I do have a question before we go. What was the Lost Boys song you guys covered? Oh, uh, Cry Little Sister. Yes. Yes. And we did it for, yeah. for a film. I remember getting that email through and in my mind, I'm like, what? Someone wants to pay us money to do this? Yes. <laughs> like, definitely would have done this for free, but sure. So, yeah. I mean, that was a stressful one because... We love the original song so much and the original film so much. So much. Spent a lot of time watching The Lost Boys. Oh, yeah. If you put Tim Capello in the oh, that, that oh. trio, I would have had a tough time. Damn. Um, <laughs> we were off our game. Normally, we're yeah. more prepared. Yeah, normally, we we really put a lot of thought into it. Yeah. But I was, guess, yeah, he's like a slicked up saxophone playing Vin Diesel. That's yeah, yeah. Yes. Sorry. Um, That's what we were going for. But because the original is so like 80s. And yes. very, and the yeah. lyrics like when I zoomed in, like had to deliver them. I was like, these, these are weird lyrics. These are interesting yeah. lyrics. I don't remember. And when because it was so like a kind of more acoustic version, which is what they asked for. Then the lyrics were very present, and I was yes. like, oh, this is some very gothy stuff that's going on here. It. But thank you. That's very yeah. nice. And I like the whole kind of. I don't know if it's like a dark energy. I don't know what you would call it on your latest album, but it's got oh, those yeah. feels. It was a, it was a spooky time. I love that. That's what <laughs> I, I mean. My favorite thing is the spooky feeling. Yeah. Well, yeah. And I feel like I don't know. I, mean, I thought about it when we were making it. I was like, oh, is this too? Especially with the lyrics and stuff. I was like, man, maybe this is just going to bum people out too much. Oh no, I don't know. But when it came out, I was like, oh no, everyone feels <laughs> terrible. Yeah. Everyone feels terrible. So this one, you just put a beat to it, and then it's done. Yeah. So, yeah. I find it comforting like, I'm, personally. Yeah, I'm supporting everyone's <laughs> feelings collectively. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, thank you so much, Lauren. No, thank you for yeah. having me. Yeah. And thank you, Rob, for watching me. He watched me do some bad reverse parking. He's very nice about it. So. <laughs> yeah. Good. He's our traffic coordinator. Awesome. Yay. <laughs> I was really happy that Lauren was willing to actually come in person and sit with us and talk to us. Um, she was our first. <sighs> so, Olivia, yeah, I know you probably haven't read the news yet this morning. No. But Roe v. Wade was overturned in the Supreme no. Court. Yeah. What? Yeah. I have been so, so upset. All morning. And I, you know, I generally don't like engage or get worked up or try to like, you know, I I, I try to be very even keeled and, and open minded and whatever. But this is so beyond upsetting. <laughs> um, as someone who has had non-viable pregnancies, like imagining like just having to go through it because you don't have that option. And that's just one example. Uh I'm very upset. 
Yeah. I mean, I'm a little speechless right now. I scared my mom, though, this morning because she hadn't read the news and I texted her and I was like, today is like such a such a devastating day. I need to move to Canada. And my mom thought like we were literally oh, no. moving to Canada. <laughs> and she was like calling me and I was in the car dropping Briar at camp and like she couldn't say anything. And I could tell she was really she's like, hi, she's like, um, everything OK? Like really concerned. And I'm like, I'm dropping Briar. She's like, OK, call me. Call me as soon as you drop her off. And then she proceeded to call me like 10 times before I got back to the car. Uh, and then she read the news and was like, uh. <laughs> so what does it actually mean, though, as far as each state goes? I, I think it's allowing the states to make their own decisions. Right. So then that means half of the states are going to have more restrictions than they currently do. It's so mind-blowing, you know. And the people making these decisions, it's like, well... I'm just, I'm just speechless. And it's just like, what time is this? What time are we in? You know, and, and, and what has this country come to? It's very like confusing. And like I said, I try to be open-minded and I don't want to be so, you know, political, but this has to do with women's bodies and their own personal decisions and other people controlling it. And it's, but it also seems absurd that we're having this conversation about women not being able to make this decision, but then taking guns away from people is also not allowed. Right. Right. But that bill did pass yesterday. Yeah. But which it is at least a teeny bit of a step forward in that area. Right. Right. But then there's also the like carry laws that are yeah. being loosened. The thing is, is that it's heartbreaking to me. I'm honestly in a little bit of shock because it feels like we just got transported to an alternate reality. I remember when that first got floated around that that could happen. Mm -hmm. I remember thinking that's never going to happen. How could it? So I personally know someone very dear to me that just went through something really painful. And if that wasn't an option for her, it would have been a lot more painful. I can say that, that there's times where medically, physically, spiritually, all reasons point to this isn't a viable pregnancy and this person needs some sort of medical intervention and help. And the fact that people aren't going to have that right to choose that is utterly heartbreaking. And, you know, a lot of these people that I know that have been through these situations are people that historically were Christian or Catholic and came from the views of every life matters. And while I totally respect that and I believe every life matters... It matters to do the right things for those lives, too. Mm -hmm. So who are these people to say what matters? Do you get what I mean? Yeah. Like, it matters that this woman dealing with these situations, what about her life? Right. Doesn't that matter? Yeah, absolutely. And the high-risk things that are like, you could die in childbirth, but you know what? 
<laughs> you know what I mean? Like there's just, it's, it's so confusing. It brings up a lot for me personally, because we're looking at different schools right now to put our kids in. And it's a tough time to make decisions on even where your children go to school mm-hmm. because of what's being taught and, you know, the divides in this country and really making the decision of like, what do I want put in my child's head? Mm-hmm. I know that might not seem related, but it is. No, it is. Absolutely. That's scary. It's so scary. I think the big thing with this, too, is that women with means are going to be able to still find access. Who it's really hurting is people below the poverty line or people that have already been disenfranchised. People that need help. Yeah, people that need help and can't get it. And they're going to still seek it and probably put themselves at 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 extreme risk because they're still going to, it's not like it's not going to happen or exist, but they've just created this roadblock that's so much more harmful. It's just mind blowing. I, 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 it's just so upsetting. It is. I feel because it's just my natural instinct to go to a spiritual level with it and really look at it from that altitude and ask, like, why, right? So when I look at any issue in my life, I'm like, okay, this is either for me or against me, Mm -hmm. period. Mm -hmm. There's no in-between. And so if we look at this and we say, how is this happening for us as a nation? What is the opportunity here? Like, what is really breaking down so that it could be rebuilt? Because something is not working. It is Mm -hmm. flawed, right? And there's a light being shown that we are so completely divided. Mm -hmm. And in order for us to rebuild and repair this nation, it's almost like it has to break down. Right. This is a breaking down on a major level. I, you know, I know that there are people that are very, you know, religious and they feel like, you know, God's plan and all that. And I'm like, great. Great. But that's your choice. Yeah. They're taking away women's freedom to choose. And I respect their choice. You know, it's like, great. You have your choice and I have my choice. Right. And that's the whole point is that mm-hmm. we get to choose. Right. And, you know, it's confusing. I talked to a friend about this the other day because... You know, we just found out our son has a chromosomal disorder, right? And if that would have been presented to me while he was in utero, I don't know what we would have done because the way it would have looked on paper is, okay, this kid's missing a chunk of his chromosome. He's going to have hearing loss, lung disease, pulmonary hypertension, be developmentally disabled, all of these things. I don't know what I would have done. Right. I'm grateful that that information wasn't presented to me because he's the love of my life. Mm-hmm. But it's such a personal choice and decision that people are being faced with. And, you know, for me personally, I do feel, I don't know, it confuses me because I'm like, I don't know what I would have done. Right. I'm grateful that it wasn't worse. I know people that have been presented with things where, the child wouldn't have lived. Mm-hmm. You imagine as a woman having given birth and like knowing that you're going to have to go through it all and birth a child that's... And we know women who have done that. We do. And it's incredibly painful, traumatic, all of it. Yeah. 
But also, you know, I think that there's a lot of people out there that are not equipped to take care of children Mm -hmm. and aren't ready to take care of children and don't have the means to take care of children. And then we're saying, okay, well, you have to have them, but we're not going to do anything to really make sure they're okay after you do that. Right. Well, yeah, the, all of the like baby formula stuff that was not passed to take care of these babies. (laughs) Right. They are being forced to have. Right. Yeah. And also, too, like Jeff and I think about it, we're like, we're so fortunate that we can offer the means to supply our kids with the things they need. Mm -hmm. And there's so many kids that have syndromes and disorders and, you know, alcohol fetal syndrome, like all of these things that require it requires a lot of money to care for these children. And it requires a lot of attention and If we were both to be working full time and not able to provide the services Shepherd needs, that would be a living nightmare. Mm -hmm. And a lot of these families, they would be forced to have these children when they can't do it. There's so many areas, you know, there's the woman who was raped. There's the babies that aren't okay, aren't healthy, aren't going to make it. Or or the There's just so many areas in this that's... Yeah, there's too many circumstances. There's way too many. To have a blanket. Oh, your baby's going to die, but you have to carry it to term. (laughs) It's like, wait, what? People who haven't gone through childbirth or haven't experienced it or haven't, you know, men in particular, who have no idea. It is so much to go through, even with a completely normal, healthy pregnancy. I feel upset. I think I might move to Canada. You're not moving to Canada. I mean. We have a podcast to run in LA. You can't go to Canada. (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, Lauren, speaking on like how to always find the positive, right? And stay positive. So I think one of the positives from this is that it's awaking up the activist and a lot of people that have been dormant. And these are kind of things that I never thought I had to get involved in or really even look at because... I didn't really feel like it affected me. But now I feel like it's waking up women in general. You know what I want to talk about? One of my clients was saying that they wanted to experience more confidence. Hmm. And, you know, that when they put themselves out there artistically, creatively, or in any of those areas, that if they were to really love themselves, they would feel confident. And I was like, I think confidence is completely overrated. And, you know, when Lauren talks about being so nervous that she threw up in a trash can, that's what I want to hear. I want to hear you are nervous, you're scared, but you did it. And I Mm -hmm. think that courage is a much stronger thing to strive for than confidence. Because I don't really think that you need to be confident. I think you could be scared as shit and do it anyways. And that to me is what I look up to in people far more than someone that's just naturally confident. How do you guys feel? I love that. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. Do you get nervous, Rachel? Of course I get nervous. I remember right before we interviewed Zoe, I had like massive anxiety. And I don't know why, but what I find helps me, I had one of my daughter's little, if I have one of her poppets or a squishy, and I can... The fidget spinner. Fidget spinner. And I use those. It really calms my nerves. But 
you do it and you go through it and then you realize, oh, it was all okay. And I think that's a much bigger lesson, especially instilling in your children than confidence, you know, with courage. I just love that perspective. Yeah. Speaking of like the fidget spinner, I did this cool thing yesterday. Have you guys heard of tapping? I have. What is it though? I don't know what the actual term for it is, but it's like emotional tapping. So I did a session with my friend from school because mm -hmm. I was dealing with some emotional things that have been stored in my body. So she has you kind of have a conversation and you tap different parts of your body and it releases the energy. And so the whole time you're talking, you're tapping, and then you start to tap in like new information. So it's kind of like a physical rewiring and a physical release of energy. It was really cool. Yeah. Yeah. And it like brings up any trauma you have in your body. And then you get to kind of make good with it and instill new hardware in a way. It's interesting. There's like a tapping app and everything. I feel now I'm going to get much more into tapping. Yeah, just happy Gilmore it. Huh? Tap, Anyone? Tap, tap, tap it in. Yeah. Oh. Tap, tap, tappy. Tap, 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 tap. But she was telling me you can do it with your children when they're nervous or if they get anxious mm. or if they're afraid of anything. You can start teaching them how to tap so that it just kind of rewires the system. And it just goes to show like we all get nervous and we all get scared. And this thing of like having to have it all together is just such boo hockey. Yeah. Courage, overconfidence. You know, I love that she <laughs> had the courage to share her shower cries because how relatable is that? Super. It actually makes me want to do it. I haven't had a shower. I, I cry in public constantly. I don't even hide it anymore. <laughs> you know what's so interesting? For me, my version of the shower is in the car. Like for some reason, I can really have it out when I'm in the car. And I was driving the other day and I saw a woman like bawling in her car. And I was like, you feel like you're so protected and you're in your own space and you're having your moment but like but you're not people yeah, are watching yeah, but you're not you have a clear windshield and everyone sees it the but shower may be a better place shower i think she's onto something with the shower i think i need to switch from a car to a shower personally rob how do you feel about crying in front of people i mean person I, I yeah personally i haven't done it in a long long time you haven't cried in front of anyone in a long time mm -mm. I think the last time was like my my grandpa's funeral. Aww. When was that? Like eight, eight years ago. You haven't cried in eight years? I don't think so. Have you cried and it's just been by yourself or you haven't cried in eight years? I don't think I've cried in eight years. Are you wow. crying right now? Yeah, I'm about to. <laughs> you, I mean, I find that I cry, I think, almost at one point every single day. Yeah. Actually, it's not true. I think six years ago when we moved to California and we like packed up the moving truck mm -hmm. and it was at my parents' house. And when we were driving away, you cried. I did. Natalie was there for that too. Because <laughs> my, my, well, my parents were both very emotional about it. Yeah. Aww. Is Natalie a crier? Oh, yeah. Yeah. An often, often crier. Yeah. We can relate. That's amazing. Eight years. Six years. Six years. Still. That's a long time, Rob. I think you're due for a cry. 
What about not even when your children were born? No, um, <laughs> I remember getting. I mean, I was close to it with Vincent when they were like, "We need to either suction his head out or cut you open for a C-section." That was as close as I've gotten. That got real recently. Yeah, but then she. It was fine, right? Yeah, it ended up being okay. But it was here's. You guys can take five minutes to decide Oof. what to do about this baby. Ugh. Here's two pretty extreme options. Childbirth. And we'll be right back. <laughs> yep. Jeez. That's how it goes. See? I mean, yeah. that's how it goes. Jeff cries a lot. Jeff cries a lot. He he gets moved by things. He does, yeah. I don't count that, though. Like, I get moved by things. And you'll have But tears? do you feel like you can... Like if you get moved by something, will you freely cry in front of people? I don't. I won't cry from it, but I'll like my eyes will get like watery. I'll say it's so cute. <laughs> and it's since having kids, it's over the like stupidest shit. It's right. like a, a stupid TV commercial. We'll do it. Yeah, that's Jeff. We yeah. were driving the other day, and it was really sweet. There was a mom. We saw a mom deer, and Jeff's like, "Turn around! There's baby deers!" And there was these two precious. Like the smallest little baby deers I've ever seen. And they were stuck on the opposite end of the gate <gasps> from their mom. Oh, no. And I was like, Jeff, you have to get out and help them over. They're stuck. And he's like, let's just watch and see what they do. So we sat there for a while and watched. And they finally made their way through the gate. And we were like, oh, my God. See, like we would have really messed that up if we would have intervened. And they made it through and they got to their mommy and Elliot goes, I have water in my eyes. And I was like, oh, my God. He was crying. I turned around and he had teardrops going down his face. And I looked at Jeff and so did Jeff. And Shepard was just roaring like a dragon. (laughs) I was was the only dry eye in the car. You know what kind of animal that I would never do that for or help or stay and watch what happened? A cat. Cats. <laughs> You're taking that art of a stance against cats right now? <laughs> oh, I am I am very, very passionate about my dislike of cats. <laughs> As am I. <laughs> we share that, Olivia and I. Yeah. Well, you know, Lauren has a lot of cats. I know, and that's why... Or some cat. Lauren, Lauren I'm sure cats. your cats are lovely. I have met nice cats before. It's few and far between, but I'm sure your cats... Well, you're allergic too, right? So it's not really your fault. I am. Are you? Or are no. you just pretending to be? <laughs> I got attacked. Okay. My dad, when I was a kid, his girlfriend adopted a cat. It would hide under the bed. And any room I would walk into, it would <laughs> attack me. It would wait for me. Under any bed, any couch, any table. And if I was walking by, I was brutally attacked. Yeah, it's brutal. Okay? So I have a story why. So do I. I ended up having to go to the hospital. What cat attacked you? My friend Desiree's cat. Oh, yeah. We were at her house and the cat was pregnant. And I got up to go pee in the middle of the night. And I saw these eyes glaring at me. (laughs) And then it just darted down the hallway, ran up my body, literally (laughs) up my body. It was clawed on with his claws and his teeth. And I was shaking it off of my arm. And I couldn't get it off (gasps) of my arm. And her dad walks in in his underwear with a baseball bat (gasps) and had to get it 
off of me. I with couldn't the bat? move. Yeah. Well, he like pried it off with the bat or he had to hit it with the bat. He didn't end up hitting the cat with the bat, but that's how he scared it away. And then I couldn't lift my arm for like a month. I had to go get it checked out. It was bruised and cut and whatever. <gasps> the cat had babies. Our friend Deanna took one of the babies and then the baby would attack me. <laughs> <laughs> and I liked cats before this. See? Now I don't. I rest my case. <laughs> well, guys, it's been a very broad conversation. And I thank you for being here. As do I. <laughs>